Hey y'all, welcome back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Woo! Y'all, you're going to love this episode. I got to speak with someone who is definitely someone that I look up to in not just the sport of powerlifting, but honestly, just her mindset is so incredible. I look up to her as a person. I got to speak with Stacey Bama Burr. Y'all, she is an incredible powerlifter. She literally in 2019 got the highest Wilkes slash dots ever in the world by anyone who ever competed in powerlifting. She was the absolute best in the world in 2019. She has recently gone over to bodybuilding, literally just competed this past weekend and the weekend prior, and is competing in two weeks at nationals, aiming to get her pro card. We talked all about her journey to becoming the best in the world at powerlifting, what she had to give up to do that, the sacrifice she had to make, how the journey affected her as a person. We talk about her as a bodybuilder and her goals in bodybuilding and how the challenges have been and how the successful wins have been too. Talk about everything, y'all. Talk about her life, her as a person, her career. It's a good episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you are listening to these drops, y'all, to get this out to more people. Subscribe. Leave a review, leave a five-star rating, and if you scroll down to the bottom of the link section, you can support the podcast financially. We'll love to have you do that. All right, let's dive into today's episode. All right, y'all. I'm here with Stacey Bama Burr. I'm so freaking excited because I have been following you for probably since I started powerlifting. Like, I started in 2015. Yeah, I think that's when I started following yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> And I've had the pleasure of meeting you in person a few times, which has been mm-hmm. awesome, but never just to sit down and just talk to you because watching your entire journey from like, oh, she's a strong powerlifter. Oh, she's clearly on a quest to become the best in the world. And then like listening to you on podcasts, like seeing you post, and, like I, I got to just sit back and watch like a movie. And I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> gas me up, gas me up. I love this. I love this. Thank you so much. I mean, just this is... It's been it's been a movie for me too, and it's my life. So I'm really excited. Anything anything goes. Ask whatever you'd like. Oh yes. Okay. So I know you started competing back in 2014, and <laughs> I want to know, like, at what points in your powerlifting career did you decide? Wait a minute. I have the potential to literally be the best in the world and get the highest dots ever touched by anyone. Like, when did that happen? Uh, truly, it was after my first meet. So I, I, I had been, I, I, let's see, I graduated from college and I played college softball and I've been an athlete for forever. Right. And so once I got done, I was like, man, I need a competitive outlet. And I'd been training with a bunch of bodybuilders at the gym, you know, a bunch of guys, older guys. And it was just little token me and all my big dudes. And they were like, you know, you're strong for a girl. I was bench pressing like 185, I think, in high school and stuff for reps, you know, like bro reps now, no pauses, Yo. but uh, <laughs> you, you know the vibe, right? And so yes. uh, they, they, they were like, you know, you should, you're strong for a girl, you should check out powerlifting. And that kind of like ticked me off a little bit. I was like, I'm not strong for a girl, I'm just strong, period. But it piqued my interest, and I found that there was a meet um, in Columbia, South Carolina, where I was living, um, where I was going to, you know, get my master's. And so I was like, I'm gonna try it out. I had no idea what I was doing, and I just went in for it. And after I got done, um, I totaled 810, and uh, Donnie Thompson was the host of the meet, and he told me, he was like, you know, you're pretty good at this. You should probably pursue it. 
And I was like, okay, well, you know, if he says I'm pretty good, that's probably a good sign. And then a couple weeks later, you know, the results got posted and a couple people messaged me and they said, Stacy, they said, you were 10 pounds off of a, a world record. And me at this time, I didn't know anything about Federation juniors, you know, all the very specific world records and not to knock anything or anybody, but I was like, oh, a world record, you say? And so they told me, you know, yeah, you're 10 pounds off of it. You should compete here and you should do this. And I was like, hmm, well, if I'm 10 pounds off of this record, let's just see what's the best that's ever been done. So I just got on a little, you know, I went down a rabbit hole and I just started looking at what was the best, what were the best, highest records? What were the, what was the most amount of weight that any woman in my weight class had ever lifted? And then I found out, I was like, Jen Thompson was pretty much the front runner there. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I looked at the numbers and now for most people, I I'd only at this point in time squatted. I think my best squat was 255 in that meet. My best bench press was 190 at the meet. And Jen Thompson was benching in threes, you know, but I looked at these numbers and I said, I can do this. I said, I just need some time. Like I just need some time. So I kind of set that little, you know, idea in motion after my very first meet. And then what really was, you know, sealed the deal for me, my grandpa and my grandma, they're my biggest fans, the lights of my entire life. I told my grandpa, I said, hey, I said, can you believe that I'm 10 pounds off of a world record? And he looked at me and, you know, old people don't lie, right? If you're fat, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're fat. Like, if you got a yep. sit on your forehead, they'll be like, what is wrong with your head? <laughs> like, old people don't lie, right? So I said, can I know. you believe, can you believe I'm 10 pounds off of a world record? And he said, of course, I can't believe it. He said, you're the strongest woman in the world. And that sentence right there, every time I talk about it, I still get chill bumps, you know, it just, it really, that meant something to me. And I decided right then and there, I said, okay, well, if, if he knows that I'm the strongest woman in the world, if he believes it, that means I can do it. You know, like that was the little seed that planted it. And so it was just for up to me after that to prove it. And so I did. So that was the, you know, that was the goal. That was the intention. And that's how it came about. And that was really, we did it in 2000, what was it 2019? 19. So, yep. Ta-da! Oh my God. Okay. So Throughout watching your journey, I remember there are points where you mentioned things like you were like living with your coach to stay focused. Was that, mm -hmm. am I correct? Right? Yeah. Like, tell me about that part. Like, like, how did you zone in and like just make this your primary focus? And then what did you have to cut out of your life to hit this goal? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, um, you know, I was personal training. I had another full time job and uh, the first thing to go was my full-time job because I was personal training in about I have four different gyms I was training at, and I was doing another full-time job with Frito-Lay. So I was working 80 hours a week plus Ooh. personal training. Yeah, I pressed personal training, and I was just like, there's no way I can handle all this. Like with, you know, prioritizing my nutrition, my sleep, my training. So I quit the full-time job, even though everybody in my family was like, no, don't do that. You need health insurance. You need benefits. Stacey, you don't, you know, and I was like, mm, I'm just going to figure it out. So I quit my full-time job. That was the first thing. And I really pursued just, the, you know, the personal training, the coaching. And then it started to just, you know, people, friends, like, you know, I, you'd, you'd associate with people who all they want to do is go out. All they want to do is party or drink and 
that really wasn't aligned with my goals anymore. So I cut out people out of my life that didn't really support my vision. Because a lot of people where I'm from, I told them this and I told them what I was going to do. And they're like, Stacey, there's no way you can do that. Like, in what lifetime do you think that little South Carolina, just no name, do you think you can do that? And I was like, no, I know I can do that. I just have to make it happen. And so I started cutting out people. Um, and then it just became, it became more and more refined that just you supported me. You got with it or you got lost. And um, in the gym, the gym that I was currently training at, uh, I was like the only female that really lifted at this point. It was still, you know, powerlifting wasn't like a big thing like it is yeah. now. It was just kind of like, okay, the fat guys that are screaming and lifting a heavyweight to the corner, you know, that was mm-hmm. pretty much how it was. So I was just one of those. And um, the gym that I was training out of and I had been personal training there for years, they pretty much told me I needed to calm down. I needed to calm down or I needed to get out. And uh, that I was like, I was making people uncomfortable because I was making too much noise, you know, and just like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to build a gym. So I cleared out a spot on my property and I started just Craigslist. I'd buy dumbbells, I'd buy a barbell and I just piece by piece build out my own gym so I could train somewhere where I could freely be me. I could go as hard as I wanted to with the amount of intensity that I needed. So that was the next thing on the docket. Um, and then as the years progressed, you know, I continued, I, I did I thrived when I was training by myself at my own studio. And then I brought my people there too, like everybody I was training. So it all kind of worked together. But at the very end, my very last competition, I, I moved down to Florida to live with my coach at the time, Trevor. Um, and part of that was, I thought I was doing everything that I could. I thought I was doing absolutely everything. I was eating all my meals on point. I was training. I was sleeping. I was doing all the things. But I came up short in November. I was just short of, you know, that um, I, I bested my all-time record, but I didn't beat that all-time dots or all-time wilt score. And so I was like, man, well, what can I do? What more can I do? And then I realized that you know, I was training, but I was training by myself and I was training around people that, you know, oh, Stacey, you're so good. Stacey, you're so good. Anything I did was, oh my God, I've never seen something this good, even if it was trash, right? And so yep. I needed to be around someone that'd be like, mm, Stacey, do that again. Stacey, really? That was that was the effort you're going to get me? You know, like, because it's hard to get better whenever you don't have people around you that are kind of like, giving you that feedback, right? Like, I don't want somebody to tell me that everything's perfect. It's not. I don't want somebody to tell me that I'm doing the most if I need to step it up. So I moved down with Trevor and lived with him. Like, you think you are going to eat off your meal plan when your coach is sitting right there? Like, do you, like, yep. I can't, like, so I mean, I live, <laughs> yeah, I live with him. I ate my meals out of my Tupperware. He was eating with his family, eating spaghetti, and, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I'm eating my chicken and rice. I'm eating my chicken and rice. I'm doing the things. Um, and so I lived with him and pretty much controlled every aspect, every variable. He was with me pretty much every training session. So he was able to give me like immediate feedback. Um, and that's one thing about remote coaching. It's great. I, you know, I work with a ton of remote athletes, but there's just not that face time. And there's also not that, Hey, let me move your hand just like this. So having Trevor right there with me and just, you know, eyes watching me the entire time, that was another thing that I just continued to you get that focus in tighter and tighter and it worked. And so that was, you know, the prep leading into the Arnold. And that was the one that we hit the all time record there and hit the best Wilkes of all time. And so that was, that did the job. So, I mean, just like everything, it just continually, you think you're doing the most, you think you're doing the most, 
and then you can do a little more. You think you're doing the most, you think you're doing the most, then you can do a little bit more. And so just like in terms of recovery, in terms of, you know, the environment that you're in, you just continually try to create it and refine it and make it better for it to, for it to be what you need. So I was, okay, so I know today everyone's all on dots, right? So I was like, wait, was she going after her best books or dots? It was books at the time? It was Wilkes at the time, and I'm not the person that's like, oh, my Wilkes score, but that was the, the, that was the score that was like the only identifying factor that was, you know, between male, female, anything, it was Wilkes then, but same difference. So who had the number one spot before you took it? Mariana, I believe. Okay. I was looking at everyone. I was like, I can't, I can't remember who had it right before you. <laughs> uh, I'm, pre- I'm pretty, pretty positive it was Mariana. I mean, she was up there for a very long time. <laughs> oh, my God. So when you said, so obviously, and it makes sense, right? Like cutting people out of your life who just don't align with your vision. Was it hard for you to do that, like, mentally and emotionally, or was it easy? Like, and when you say cut out, like, do you mean, like, you would delete numbers right away, or was it, like, a gradual, like, weaning away from the stuff that doesn't help you? For for some people, it was a little bit more gradual, but, and in terms of, was it hard or was it easy? I'll say the hardest one, and this is just me being real raw, honest with you, the hardest one was my mom. Um, My family doesn't necessarily super understand anything that I do, but my mom is an alcoholic, And she, her last thing that she told me was I was a selfish fitness freak. And so she pretty much demonized me um, from the rip and told me that I was never going to be anything, that I was just this, everything, this journey I was taking was just completely fruitless and pointless. And so for me, whenever I realized that my own mom wasn't on my team and I had to cut her off at friends or whatever else, it made it a lot easier, right? Because like, that's, that's your blood. And that's what you talk about, you know, families forever, X, Y, Z, but like, it really doesn't matter if somebody is your blood kin or if somebody's whatever, if they're not on your team, if they don't support you and your happiness, you got to let them go. And so once I cut ties with my mom, it, it made, you know, friend ties and stuff like that. If I express what my needs are, if I express my boundaries and you don't adhere to them, then guess what? You got to go. So it made it a lot easier from that very initial one. It made it a lot easier after that. But it never was easy because I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. But ultimately, I'm hurt your feelings over hurting my own and over, you know, like compromising my dreams and goals. Your feelings going to get hurt. But it's up to us how we process those feelings of hurt. Like, where what's that coming from? Right. So it just shows a little bit of growth for other people, too. But Yeah. Wow, that must have been incredibly hard. So that makes me wonder, who was in your corner? Obviously, your coach, duh. But, like, who was in your corner who really stood by you throughout this whole – I mean, this is a, a seven-year – no, five-year journey. This is a five-year yeah. journey from you believing you can be the best in the world and then getting there. Yeah. So someone was by you besides your coach. <laughs> Barely. Um, oh, you know, and that – yeah, I mean, it, the, deeper, the deeper you go with this, the more it seems, you know, it's a little more, you know – I, it gets it gets tough. Um, I had to do a lot of things by myself. I had to do a lot of things alone. I say my p- partner at the time, uh, Jill Lewis, she was with me. She saw a lot of these things. We didn't stay together the entire of my pre- the entirety of my prep for the five years. We didn't stay together, um, partially because of the things you know that took priority. Um, but my clients, a lot of my clients, my team teammates, that um, people that I work with, they stood by me. They you know watched the journey and watched me. They I coached them while I was doing it. Um, but other than that, there really wasn't, there wasn't very many people. And like, whenever you lose, 
you never have nearly as many people in your corner. Whenever you're like going through harder times, you never have as many people in your corner. When you win, when you win at the top, everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody wants to support, dap it up. Oh, B, I knew you could do this. Mm. But it's funny because most people, they didn't know I could do that five years ago. They laughed at me. So I remember. <laughs> um, but a lot of things I had to do on my own. But I'll say, you know, Jill Lewis, my clients, my roster, um, there were that was pretty much the only people that really understood and stood by me the entire time. Wow. Okay, you're probably not going to remember this. So the first time I ever met, she was 2018, Raw Nationals USAPL. Mm-hmm. So you were with Jill, and yep. you guys were like my favorite like online couple. <laughs> yeah. So I remember meeting you, and I was like squealing, and we took a picture together with the both I remember, of you. I remember we were in the hallway. I think <laughs> I did. I just cried. I was so happy to see you, and that was like before you won. I was like, I just met like one of the strongest people in the world, <laughs> and you were like, that's about to be the goat. You don't know yet, but you're going to. <laughs> I was like, do you see what she posted on Instagram? Like, <laughs> she going to keep going. So, okay. Now, this question, if you're uncomfortable answering it, I can cut it out. But let, it rip. let her rip. All right. So, obviously, we're in the untested division, and you're getting deeper and deeper towards your goal. Did you have to make a lot more, like, dosages to help you with the goal? Or was it, like, I don't know anything about that. But, like, oh, yeah. did it get to a point where you had to just, like, keep increasing it? Like, I just really don't know how it works. So, so I was working with a coach before Trevor. Um, and my coach before Trevor, he was a big advocate of drugs. He liked to push. He really tried to – and this, this coach I trusted. He was my first, like, coach. Um, but pretty much he pushed the drugs. He pushed the drugs really hard. I had a really hard time. I had a breakdown in 2016, I think, or no, 2000, 2018 after the U S open. Um, I had a breakdown mentally. I was not okay. He was pushing the drugs really hard and I'm an adult. Now, uh, you know, I can say yes or no, but as an athlete, I want to do what my coach says. I want to, you know, I want to follow the plan. I want to listen. I want to be a, you know, a coachable client and athlete, but I listened to him. I pushed the drugs too hard. And mentally, I was an absolute wreck. Um, and so that was whenever I broke up with that coach and I found Trevor. Trevor found me. And the thing that I told Trevor, I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. These are the records I'm trying to hit, the numbers I need to do. I said, I want to do it with as minimal drugs as possible. So I went from taking too much drugs where mentally I was not okay. And I ended up in the hospital um, you know, with a bunch of different complications and stuff going down with Trevor and I told him, I was like, I will work as hard as I possibly need to. I will do the things that like I need to do to recover. Like I'll get the cryo, I'll get the massages, I'll do whatever, eat the food. I just don't want to take all the drugs. So we pulled the drugs back a ton and lo and behold, I performed better with less amount of drugs because it made me mentally much more clearer. So I, I'm a I'm a high responder, so with a little bit of drugs, I respond really well. With a lot of bit of drugs, mentally it just gets a little bit murky for me because I'm not the most sane person in the beginning. And like kind of that's you know, drugs drugs don't make you like the roid rage and stuff. Like you know, that's not really a super real thing. If you're a dickhead, baseline they're gonna make you more of that. If you have anger issues, baseline they're gonna make you more of that. Me as baseline, I'm not necessarily the most stable person, so amplifying that via the drugs, it wasn't a good move for me. So pulling that back down, it made me perform much better. So I, whenever I competed at the Arnold, my very last competition was the drugs 
were less than what I competed in years prior. So wow. pretty cool. Yeah. That's wild. And I'll never forget. This was 2020. I don't know what podcast I was listening to because it wasn't your specific podcast, but you were on a podcast and yeah. you were talking about this. You were like, you know, people say roid rage is a thing. It's really not. It's just drugs just amplify what you already are. So I mm-hmm. think you mentioned like you're an emotional person. So your emotions were just like, woo. Yeah, like, if you're, yeah. you said too, like, if you're already a dick, like you're going to be a much bigger dick, right? If you're. Yep. <laughs> I'm an, I'm an idiot. Uh, that made me laugh. That sentence. <laughs> but it's okay. true. But it's true. Like, and I didn't even realize. I didn't, like, I didn't realize I had anxiety until all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, "Why am I tripping?" And I'm like, "Wait a yeah. second. Whoa, 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 whoa!" I didn't realize I was so emotional until I'm like, "Oh my god, my feelings are hurt." And I'm like, "Yo, hard no. What's wrong with you, right?" But it's like you just take you take all these supplements, you add them into your baseline, but like. And you you don't even know what you're going to get, right? So it's like a whole big experiment there. And like really and truly, not so I don't advocate drugs for most of my lifters. Most of my lifters are natty. And I try to advocate for most people and clients, especially my women, to stay natty for as long as possible. Because truly, you have such, there's such a high ceiling. We can, you know, our gen, we can reach our genetic potential, then maybe add in a drip drop if that's something you really want to pursue, right? But people that go in and just take all these drugs and just, you know, just straight off the, no, that's not what we need to do. And then you have coaches, male coaches, who don't think anything about prescribing girls like to take Anadrol and to take Trend. And then you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, but there is no certification for who is, you know, coaching. There is no drug, you know, protocol or anything that's like a standardized thing. So it's just a mm-hmm. lot of misinformation and just there's a lot of people out there that just have to live through the experience. But that's one reason why I'm really open about it is because I want to share my experience so some people can maybe gain a little bit from that and don't have to have to go through it. So, yeah, I'm glad I you- stayed consistent here. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When did you originally cross over to the untested side. side? Yeah. Um, I fractured my L four. I, I fractured my L four L five in two thousand and fifteen, and so after that, uh, the chiropractors had told me that I should never squat again, that I should never deadlift oh. again, and I got like two epidural style shots. I got all kinds of different things. And I had a lot of pain for a very long time. And that was when I met that first current coach. And he was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, what kind of drugs are you running right now? And I was like, well, I've never taken any drugs. I'm natty. And he was like, what? <laughs> I was already <laughs> squatting. I was already squatting. Like, I was I was competing USAPL. I was squatting right under four. I was benching 220. And I was pulling right under four. And I was mm-hmm. on like a 132 or he was like, you're natty? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, no, you're really natty? Like, and I was like, no, I've never... I've never taken drugs. I'm scared of them because I never really wanted to take drugs. It yeah. just wasn't on my, I was, I was the co- cocky person that was like, oh, I'll beat all those girls on drugs. Like plot twist. Right. So <laughs> he was like, he was like, oh, well, if you've never taken drugs before, he's like, some Anabar will help your back. And he's like, if you want to squat, squat and deadlift again, he's like, you will recover faster. You will heal up. He's like, just trust me. And I cried myself to sleep, but I took the drugs and guess what? My back started to where I could actually function on it. So wow. that was, but once I, once I decided, and this is just the honest truth, once I decided to cross that line, which was something for me that I never really wanted to do, I was all in. And like I, every meal I was, I was on point every training session. I was on point. I had a bedtime. Like once I was sacrificing something that 
I wasn't really willing to sacrifice. I wasn't taking any chances. I was like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to count. You know, I'm going to be the very best that there's ever been to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what propelled that forward. So that 2015 is whenever I started taking drugs. And I had been training previously, probably for about at least 10 or 11 years. So a long that time. That part. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, okay. Fast forward. So 2019 happens. You get the highest books in the world. What? in your mind was your next goal. I think I remember you talking about this at one point too, where you were like, okay, once I hit the goal, I want to take a break. Like what mm-hmm. was your next step for you in your head? I just wanted to be mentally stable. If you want me to be completely transparent and honest, um, because I hit the goal and then what happened? I woke up the next morning and I was the same exact person. There was no confetti. Nobody came with a big publisher's clearinghouse check for me. There was nothing. It was, I was the same person that I was the day before. I've, I've always been the best. I've always been the best in the world. You know, it's just like about proving something, right? But I proved that to myself and I proved that I could pretty much do anything. But I wanted to prove that I could take control of my health, that I could take control of my body and that I wouldn't put myself in a position where I felt forced to do anything. Um, Because just the pressure of feeling like I had to do that, that I had to break that record, it was a lot on me mentally. And so I just wanted to not have the pressure of, a goal, an impending goal that like, okay, Stacey's going to do this. This is going to do that. I just wanted to work on building my business, building my career and taking care of my mental health. And so that was my main goal and focus afterwards. Nice. And so, so, yeah, and so kind of now it's, it's taken me until now, which is what, 2022. Mm-hmm. I've, I've dabbled with the idea of competing in bodybuilding or competing in another sport um, for years now. Right. But I wanted to make sure that I could trust myself that I could trust myself to do that without going crazy with it or without, you know, without ruining my mental health or ruining my body. So it's taken me until then to where I feel like I'm to a point where I can trust myself. So here we are. It's taken some time, but I'm happy with it. This is a beautiful transition because when I saw you pop up on my feed and you did a bodybuilding show, I was like, what? Like, I don't know what happened. Like, you weren't like, I know, like you weren't like showing up in my feed as much. So when I saw it, I was like, I, I, how did I miss this? Like, I don't know if yeah. you posted about it a ton before him. I was like, I missed the entire journey to becoming mm-hmm. a bodybuilder. So you just said like, once you felt like you could prove to yourself, you could do it without ruining your actual mental health and physical health you decided to go the bodybuilding route. So what was like the first step for that? Like, did you like go out and seek a coach? How did you even know what well, federation to do? <laughs> so I've coached, um, I've coached a couple naturals to do shows. Um, really? so I've a, I, yeah, uh, yeah. I've got a, lot, a ton of experience in coaching that just like back in the day day, I had plenty of athletes and clients and just some of them were like, I want to bodybuild, but they didn't have the bodybuilding budget. Right. And so mm-hmm. me being me, I'm like, Hey, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know how to, you know, adjust the nutrition. I know how to adjust this. I was like, I've never done this before, but you can pay me like you pay me for personal training or you can, you know, you're like, but we can work with it and we can do it together. So I had two naturals that I had compete. And then um, I had another guy that competed on the untested side. So I, and um, Jill, I actually coached Jill through her first bikini competition too. So it's just been, I've I had a little experience in it and I've always, like I told you, I trained with those bodybuilders back in the day, whenever I was um, younger, I've always wanted to do a bodybuilding show. I used to read the magazines. That's how I fell in love with training in the first place was I'd go and I'd find the magazines 
and I just go through and just what exercise can I do? How do I get big arms? How do I do this? Like I fell in love with training, not necessarily powerlifting, but I fell in love with like the bodybuilding aspect. Um, so I've always wanted to do a bodybuilding show, but I never, I didn't, I didn't have anybody around me that, uh, you know, I felt like could coach me or I knew they could coach me or anything like that. And I considered coaching myself. I had, that was what I pretty much this year, I wrote it down at the beginning of the year. I was like, I want to do a bodybuilding show this year. I want to do a bodybuilding show this year. And so my plan was I reached out to a couple coaches and I didn't really hear back from them. So I didn't hear back from a couple coaches. I got pretty disheartened and I was like, dang. I guess I'll just have to do it myself. And so my plan was to compete at the end of the year. But maybe I started going to this new gym, factory gym, which was built. It's five minutes away from my house here um, in like Kyle, Texas. And it's got a really, there's a really big bodybuilding scene there. And it's it's really great gym. Uh, one of the top level coaches, he approached me. I, I pulled, I think I was pulling, I was deadlifting. I pulled like 445 just for like a single one day. And he was like, holy crap, like, who is this? What does she do? What is this girl? And so they kind of like, you know, watched me train and a couple things. The following day, he he stopped me. His name is Justin Mahaley. He stopped me and he said, he talks in a real raspy voice. And I can't, anytime I talk about this, I can't, I cannot talk without impersonating him. <laughs> he said, give me six months, I'll make you a women's physique pro. And I said, <laughs> okay. And okay. I don't think he was expecting that. I was just like, okay. And he was like, what? And I was like, what time do you want me to show up tomorrow? And he was like, 1030. And I was like, okay, I'll be here. And so he approached me and said, give me six months. I'll make you a women's physique pro. I said, what time do I show up? And then I've been showing up ever since. And so I've been showing up. I've been showing up to train ever since with him and his group of, you know, people. And I've been introduced to a bunch of different, just, I mean, people, training partners. It's been such a wild ride, but he approached me told me that I've been on a plan ever since and just it's been an incredible incredible ride and like just the how it all worked out like this I couldn't I couldn't tell you I couldn't imagine it to be any different and it's just like everything really fell into alignment um and so if if there's anything that you do trust is like the timing of your life or you trust like you know that you're just going in the right direction that this is one of those things that just it felt right and so here we are now so my goal, our goal was, um, he said, okay, we'll do the show on November the 5th. And I was like, okay, we'll do a show on November the 5th. And then there was a following show November the 12th on um, the following weekend. And I was like, he said something, he's like, we can do the 5th and we can do the 12th. We can just get you some experience. We'll do both of those and just see how you like it. So we did the show on the 5th and we won the overall, we won the, you know, my class and everything else. And it was incredible. I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, I have never been so hungry in my entire life, <laughs> uh, but it was quite an experience and just the amount of discipline that like it, it felt for a while there, the in-between after I got done competing in powerlifting versus when I started doing the bodybuilding, I felt like I'd lost a little bit of my edge, right? Like I didn't have mm-hmm. any, I wasn't gnawing at the bit. I wasn't like, oh, I'm so ready to, you know, but then waking up, having a goal, having a goal, November the 5th, having a deadline, November the 5th, November the 5th, I was doing my cardio, like, and I don't do cardio like that, I've been doing cardio every single day now, like, it's like my job, because it feels like it is, right, but, you know, it's just been, I've had something to work for, I've had something to work towards, and so we knocked out the show on the 5th, and we had an excellent showing, but I wasn't really satisfied, I was like, 
I could have done so much better. Like I won the overall, but I could have done so much better. There are a couple things I could have been smoother on. I could have done it okay. better. And so I was like, okay, let's knock it out on the 12th. I want to come in. I want to be even better. I want to bring a better look and I'm going to present myself. Like I know I can, cause I was scared. Like I ain't go, I have never in my entire life worn a two piece bathing suit, like a sports bra and some swim trunks for show. A sparkly yes. bikini? Never. Ne- like, <laughs> no. Not not since I was maybe like 10 years old and somebody else dressed me, right? Like, that's just mm-hmm. not, not what I do in a face full of makeup. Ah, uh, bro. Like, <laughs> this is way out of my element. But I decided I was going to be scared and do it anyway. And just that there's something to learn from all of it. And so I came in on the 12th. We brought a better package. I had better presentation. I nailed it. Like, I, I was satisfied with every aspect of everything that I did. And this show, I got second place. I didn't win. I didn't win. And it was kind of like, oh, well, that kind of really, like, that kind of stabbed me through the heart. But I was like, dang, well, I guess, you know, this was my biggest fear in bodybuilding. And I've spoken about this probably several times on podcasts and stuff. It's like the problem with bodybuilding is like you can diet or do whatever for 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 5,000 weeks and get up there present yourself like and be the best or you know feel like you have the best physique but the judges might not like your look the judges didn't like my look they said i was too conditioned they said i was too hard wasn't what they were looking for dang that sucks i came in too good all right okay i understood i understand the assignment but it gave me the edge that i needed to be like and it, it showed me like the growth because after i got done i got second place and i was just really like i was, I was upset i was like Man, I did everything right. Like I did everything in my power. Every I never I didn't miss a cardio session. I, I measuring my grains of rice. You know, I'm like, oh nope, seventy five. Oh boop, they take that out. I did everything that I possibly could. I controlled all the variables that I could, and I still didn't win. But that's it's okay because I know that I did everything in my power, and I'm standing here happy with what I've done, happy with what I presented. And so after the show or whatever, I talked to Justin. Originally, I, I walked out and I was like upset and I kind of took a little breather. And I think everybody expected me to be kind of mad, you know, like, oh, really rage, mad, right? But no, I just took a second. I took a second and I was like, dang, that hurts. And I'm like, I guess I can do it better. I guess I can come back. I can do it better. But I'm really proud of myself. I'm proud. You know, Justin was proud of me. I did everything I could. I was like, you know what? We had talked about it before. We, you know, Justin had said, get up here. Let's win the overall here. And let's see how your physique stacks up to others, you know, just other physiques. And if you feel up for it, let's do nationals. And I was like, Justin, I'm too small to do nationals. Justin, I'm not good enough to do nationals. Justin, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? But then I got second place. I felt fired up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, I killed that, bro. I was like, let's do nationals. He's like, oh, we're doing it. And he's like, you're doing it. And he's like, done. You're going to win it. And like, that I, I ain't gonna put you know the horse before the carriage here but like i am gonna do nationals it's only it's it's like 15 days away so i mean oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah you know i mean well like it, if it was a long long time if it was a ton of weeks and a ton more suffering and dieting i can't tell you i would be here for it right but i look this good right now i can't tell mm-hmm. you the next time i'm gonna look this good <laughs> you feel me yes, like i yes. can't tell you the next time i'm gonna suffer quite this hard I love to eat. I love to eat. And this has been quite a challenge, but I could suffer for 14 more days. You know what I'm saying? Like I could suffer for two more weeks. You remember what you was doing 14 days ago? 
no. No. You know, you know, it's like, and so if I, if I didn't do this now, I thought to myself, if I didn't do this now, I'd regret it. I would 100% regret it and be like, I wonder if. And I don't really, I'm not that kind of person. So rather than wondering if, I'm going to do it. And if I get smurfed on stage, cool. If I make third call outs, cool. I did it, you know, and I gave it a go and I saw where I stacked up and hopefully I had some fun. So it's going to be a really cool learning experience regardless. And just the, like I said, the whole journey and transition, it's been fun, you know, and like the suffering, the dieting, it's made me realize like once again, you know, I thought I'd lost my edge for a little bit. I didn't feel like Bama Burr anymore. I didn't feel like I was the most, you know, strongest woman in the world. But now I feel like I'm, I'm back to myself because you can do anything. And that's the whole point of all of this is like, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you just make the effort. You, you know, like we talked about earlier, you eliminate distractions, you figure out what you need to do to make it make sense. And so here we are just making something else make sense. Oh my God. First of all, I commend you for even showing up to this podcast when you're 14 days out. That means we're not eating a lot again. So I'm surprised you have the brain capacity to like talk to me right I mean, now. Tru- truly truly how it kind of worked out was justin dieted me super super i've been dieting for a very long time so like well, the show on the fifth i was probably i think i weighed like 121 i was you know, I was i got a dexa scan and it said like eight percent body fat oh or 7.7 excuse me and i have never in my life been that little but like i was hungry but then he fed me a little bit going into for the next peak week he fed me a little bit going in and my body just kind of started responding, right? So I looked really good on the 12th. And mm-hmm. now this week and I think next week, he's still going to keep feeding me. I'm eating more right now than I've eaten the entire prep leading in because wow. I was dieting so hard. Yeah. So he's trying to hopefully put a little bit. It's, you know, we don't have much time, but maybe a pound or two or something on me. So a little bit more muscle, a little more size so I can present better and then we'll cut it back down. So right now you got the best chance of getting some good glycogen and some brain stores. So we made it work. <laughs> yes. Okay. So my question, cause you know, when you come from power powerlifting, you're like, great, you doing me and now you're going to wait three, four months for the next meet. Oh yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So in the week between the fifth and 12th, like what did you do to come in looking better? Like, I don't even understand. My mind's like, what? <laughs> Seven we, days. We fed. We fed, we fed me, right? That's and all. So, like, truly, I mean, like, truly, like, we fed me. And, like, so, the, it's, it's, I think it's so cool. I'm a nerd. And so this is going to get really, like, I'm going to get antsy about it, you know. I love to see how the peak week was laid out a little bit differently, right? So the first week, I was still, for peaking, I was, like, eating chicken and green beans. I'm talking about chicken and green beans. I've been eating chicken and green beans for a long time, like trace amounts of carbs. And then Mm. finally, like the day before we started loading me back up, but we still, it was very conservative on the loading just so I still stayed lean and stayed crispy coming in. Then the next week when we repeat, um, I didn't really get like a big cheat meal or anything like that. I had a a little steak and some sweet potato fries, just enough from some sodium. And it's like, Okay, my body responded really well to it. So we realized we could feed me maybe a little bit more going in, but I was already to that level of leanness that that's not going anywhere. Like that level of leanness is not going anywhere. So just adding a little bit more glycogen back in, it made me look fuller. It made me look harder, but I kept my cardio high. Everything was still the same. Um, And then right towards the end, we dropped the cardio so I could recover, reduce any inflammation. And just truly, it was like the nutrition aspect that 
really changed the game just in the way that I looked. And because you could see how just like the muscularity, there were differences in the levels of hardness and everything else. And so I'm really excited to see what happens this time because it's like, okay, we're feeding me now. I'm up probably, well, I was 121 on the first show. I was 123 second show. I'm 129 right now. Wow. So, and I'm feeling, I, you know, I got on a scale and obviously like body dysmorphia is super real right now. I'm being real raw and honest. This is super fresh. I got on scale and I was like, you know, Justin, I'm as big as a house. And he was like, nah, bro, no, you're not. Like your, your muscles are just like absorbing all this food that we're taking in. You know, I've still got my abs are still there. Everything's still fine. But I was able to really get a good pump today, you know, in training and stuff like that. And I'm able to go hard again because not that I wasn't going hard, but it's just when you have this much energy in the tank, you're yes. going hard, but you're going hard. And it's not really, I'm pushing the fifties. Like it's my, you know, the hardest thing I've ever yes. done. Now, <laughs> yes. I'm throwing up the 80s again, and I'm like, okay, we're uh -huh. back in business, right? So it's like yes. the ability to train hard because of the energy that I have now is kind of, you know, it's going up. So I'm excited to see what we can do. But the really cool thing here is there's so many variables and components of, like, the recovery. Like, you don't understand how much your, like, your gut health makes a difference, too. Because, like, we really had to get my, like, digestion on track with everything, too. And so my body could absorb and process, you know, the nutrients and stuff well. Because originally when I first started, I was pretty much, like, pre-diabetic. Like, my, I'd never had any issues with my insulin or anything like that. I just felt like crap. But my, like, my, my fasted blood glucose levels, because um, he wanted them to be below, I think, 87 before we started mm -hmm. fasting cardio. So that way we're burning off more of the fat. My fasted blood glucose levels were above 100, which was oh. not good. So we had to do a lot of like, you know, trying to figure out how we can get my insulin sensitivity back, how we can figure out how to make the glycogen move, how we can make my digestion better. And since we did that, we pretty much like biohacked it. Now it's like on point, you know what I'm saying? So when you, when you got it, when you got it, you got it and strike it while the iron's hot, right? So if we've got the aspects and the components figured out for the most part right now, and I feel relatively healthy, um, 14 days ain't nothing. So we're going to roll with it. Is it too deep of a question to ask how you biohacked, right? Essentially how you got those glucose levels down? Like what did no, we no, do? No. I mean, I did, I've done a lot of cardio. And I mean, when I take my, when I take my readings, my blood glucose levels, if it's above 87, I have to do some movement first. So pretty much like get a little bit of a pump, like do some air squats, do some closet squats, do some RDLs, try to get some of that out before I do my fasting cardio. Um, and then taking supplements like uh, Yohimbean has been one of the things. It's a good fat burner, taking that, um, doing that, and then with the digestion and stuff, I've taken several different probiotics, some digestion aids. Um, the supplements that I'm taking, like I'm taking glutamine every day. I'm trying to think about all my supplements that I have sitting on the counter. But like we've really like the turmeric, the ashwagandha is like all these little things. That, like you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good stuff. That's a good supplement. I'm actually taking them all now and trying to, you know, supplement with these things to make sure that it's actually working. Because we know that all these supplements are good. But whenever you actually use them and use them regularly to make it like make it work, it definitely helps. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to do nationals and that's coming right up. 
And then mm-hmm. is there is there already another meet after that, or is Nationals like okay, oh, no. Nationals? And then we're, oh, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I said this, no, and, and none of this uh, same difference. And none of this was like the first plan was I wanted to do a show, a show, boom. The second plan, okay, let's get a little more experience, boom. This was not on plan. Like I'm traveling this weekend, um, because you know I'm uh, assistant coach over at McKendree University for powerlifting, and we have you know a meet this weekend. So I'm traveling to Kansas City while still being on prep, while still managing all my factors, getting my cardio and everything in. This was not planned, right? Like this was not part of the original plan, but gonna make it happen. Gonna take it, take care of things. But um, this is definitely the the end end game here. I mean, for this year for sure. Because the name of the game is, you know, at nationals, you can win a pro card. If you're top two, you can win a pro card. And, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give it my best. I it will either walk away with good experience or I'll walk away with a pro card. And from that, my first year of competitive bodybuilding, I'd say that's a win. And, you know, truly my biggest thing, what I think, I think I just need to be bigger. Um 121 pounds of Bimover is not nearly as satisfying as 100 and like, you know, 70 something pounds. So I think that just more than anything, you know, I, after this, I don't want to be in a contest prep. I want to be in a position where I can actually grow, where I can actually put on some like actual size, not like this little force feed window where you have to diet back that like, it's great because yeah, sure. I can eat right now for like a week or two weeks, but then I'm going to have to diet back that, you know, to pull out that conditioning again. So it's yeah. not really a, the, the net, the net positive here, you know, there's not going to be a ton of gains, but give me an entire year. And I know I can put something really, you know, a lot more improved on stage. So this is definitely the last one here. Okay. And then one thing you just said, it's a beautiful transition. You said you are assistant coach for McKendrian University. I was going to ask you about your business and all you do for work. I know, obviously, you're a coach, but I didn't know you were with the school, too. Oh, yeah. I am out here taking over the world, dude. So I have my Bama Brick Squad training is my powerlifting training team. I coach powerlifting athletes, strongman athletes. I have some lifestyle clients as well. I, I love just working with people. I love just mm-hmm. helping people reach their goals, whatever the goals are. Um, and so that's my main source of income there. And then I have, you know, the podcast, which is the champion mindset that I do champion mindset podcast, baby. Yeah. Um, so I'm a podcaster and then I work for McKendry university as assistant powerlifting coach. Uh, Brad Betchel is the head coach. And so college collegiate powerlifting is a sport. Um, wild, right? Like I, never I know. thought that would be something that like, I know whenever I was offered this, I was like, I've been offered an assistant coaching job um, for softball before because that was a sport that I played in college. And I kind of thought, I, I thought I knew I'd be a coach at some point in my life. Like I knew that that was my long-term goal was to coach, but I didn't know I was going to end up being like a powerlifting coach or like, you know, like a training coach, like in the strength coach in the way that I am. But then being offered to coach at McKendree, oh my God, it's so, it's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, we had, we have recruits, we recruit athletes just like you would as like, you know, a real sport, right? We recruit athletes from schools and we had a couple different camps and seminars and clinics and stuff. And I don't know, it's, I I didn't realize how young you are when you go to college. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, whenever I went (laughs) to college, I swear I was an adult. I was grown. But then I'm working with these like 18, 19 year olds and I'm like, Y'all are children. Like, what is yes. you know, you're in college? Dang, I'm old. But, you know, it's been such a blessing. So I am affiliated with McKendree University. So if anybody out there, you're looking to go to college and you're looking to you know, play a sport, 
hey, hit me up, hit Brad up. You know, I'd love to have you guys. But we're trying to do something which is really cool because we are trying to make it more of a sport, right? More mm-hmm. of a team dynamic. Because with powerlifting, you're the one under the bar. You're the one on the weight. There's a lot of, you yep. know, just like solo dolo there. But we're training. A lot of us are training as a team. I try to go out to St. Louis or try to go out to Illinois um, pretty frequently, like every couple months, just so we can have that, you know, bring that energy, work with our, work with our athletes. And it's been really cool. So that is, that's what I do. Wow. And, yeah. um, so when it comes to your particular coaching, like bomb brick training squad, right. If someone wants to work with you, are you like super strict about the kind of person you take on? And I don't mean like, Oh, straw man versus lifestyle coach. Right. But like the actual qualities you're looking for in a client's. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no. Um, I work with people who are willing to work, right? So if you, if you know, I don't care what level you are. I don't care if you're a beginner. I don't care what kind of athlete you are, but you have to be committed. You have to be committed and willing to work because, you know, when you have these people that sign up, they're like, okay, I want to get on a plan. I want to lose a hundred pounds or whatever. And then every check-in or they miss check-ins, or they, you know, they, if they miss check-ins, I don't know why I'm not making any progress. Well, hey, can I do this, this, this? They're jumping plan. I jumped off plan. I didn't do that. I didn't. You're wrong. I'm not working with someone that is not willing to be coached. A lot of people just want to attach like, oh, I'm coached by Bama Burr and then do their own thing and just, you know, like that's not how this works. I want to work with people who listen, who respond to feedback, like who give me the check-ins. Like if you check in with me, routinely, you're going to get that feedback. If you send me your videos, you're going to get that feedback. You are going to improve if you're attempting to improve, right? But people that are just very sporadic, hit or miss, that's not going to yield any kind of good result for you or for me because I'm going to put my effort into you and you're not going to get anything out of it because you're not doing it. You're not using it. So in terms of strictness, am I strict on the kind of people? You just got to be willing to work for me. You got to be willing to be coachable. And that's pretty much it. So yes, but also the bar is not quite as high as what you think. I don't, I don't expect these elite level athletes. Sometimes elite level athletes are the hardest ones to work with. I'd rather build an elite level athlete from the ground up, right? I'd rather take somebody that is just, you know, we're here and I'd rather just build you up to be that person that I need you to be or the person that you want to be, because then we don't have to untrain any bad habits, right? It's just everything we build on top of, but yeah. Oh my God. And you know, you were saying like, oh, I might think the bar is higher. Honestly, this is what I expected to hear. And I love hearing it because people, I don't know why, like more lately people have been like, hey, like, is there a person you don't take on as a client? Right. And I'm like, kind of similar. I'm like, you just have to want to work hard, but there are those people who really do just want to say, I have a coach. Like they just want to be able to say it out loud. And you're like, hey, that's not quite enough <laughs> if you're going to be like not doing anything I say and then wondering why not seeing progress, mm-hmm. why pay me? And people get kind of shocked around like I will gladly like after giving you some warnings, cut it off and not just take your money while you don't give me your check in because I, now I'm just looking at the paycheck like what is it like no, I don't even want it. Like yeah. I just want the person. I don't even want that. Like I don't I've, want I've it. had athletes I've had athletes before that like that, that, you know, I've sent their money back, been like, you know what? I don't think going to be a good fit and like i've tried to tell you about this and they've paid you know paid hello but i've sent their money back and been like i think you'd probably do better with someone else like i don't care about the money i mean like i do because i gotta pay bills like you know we gotta have our lights turned on but yes and that that ain't it for me like i want to build something with someone 
I love that. Oh my god. Okay, so oh crap, I just had a really question, it just escaped me. Oh, what do you prefer more? In person coaching or online coaching for yourself? Which one do you love more? Truly, I love in person coaching. Truly. And that's like maybe not the answer that everybody's expecting because online coaching is a ten times less taxing, right? Like the in I'm very introverted. It's you know, not many people know that, but I'm very to myself, I'm introverted. If I if you're my person, cool, cool, cool. But if you're not I'd be like, okay, what are we doing? But it just requires a lot of energy, that one-on-one interfacing. And like I, one hour session, it ain't never going to be one hour because I'm going to get carried away. I'm going to do for two hours. And then it's, you know, I mean, just like, but I love it. I literally love watching the lights turn on for somebody and like over, you know, text message or remote coaching, you can get that feedback. Like, oh, I understand what you're saying. I'll like record videos and send them over, but it's not the same as seeing the lights turn on for someone. Like, I'll grab your feet and say, do this. And then it's like, I understand everything. And that to me is just that winning moment, you know? So like, even though I don't get to do the in-person coaching nearly as much, um, just because like time is, you know, my biggest limiting factor, I love doing it. So when I do it, it means a lot. Oh man. I get asked this question often myself and I've always said, I just love online. I just love online. This weekend I was coaching in person, right? And it was at me, but I was like, okay, my one client, I was like, after your deadlift, but I said it before, I was like, after your deadlift, we're going to go in the back and I want to teach you about pulling slacks because it's yeah. not, like, we've been talking about online for, trust me. Oh, yeah, and you're, and you're talking about it, you're sending messages, yeah. and, but it's not, not the same as this. <laughs> and then I took her in the back, like, she finished, and I was like, do this, and then she got a position, and I literally got to touch her hands, and I was like, do you feel this and she's like yeah i'm like now wedge and i was like no no no, like this and she she was like oh my god and i was like oh no i think i like in person coaching <laughs> yeah yeah i just hearing you say that i give me chill bumps right it's like that's it's that yo, moment like, it's because she's such a dedicated client and she tries mm-hmm. so hard and she really just whatever i said just was not working i probably switched the words like 17 times i'm like i was like is it me like i couldn't get it so i'm like yo sometimes you just gotta be able to like put your hand on them and be like can i just put your hips here put your foot mm-hmm. here do you feel this muscle all right go <laughs> yeah i mean and truly like it's like that is there's no like there's no way to replicate like i'll send videos i'll change the wording like i will upside down do it sideways right but there's nothing like just physically touching your athlete and being like do you feel this? This, this is what I want. I mean, so like that is just like, there's no replacing that. I'm glad glad Uh, you understand too. But like, as far as, you know, just like time in time out, Oh, online coaching is where it's at because you can, I can really get through a lot. I can get through a lot of sharing feedback. I can work through a bunch of athletes. Like if I coach 10 athletes a day, Oh my God, I would be, I wouldn't have any energy to do anything myself. You know, I mean, just like, so if I, on a regular basis, pretty like on a regular basis during prep, I'm not gonna lie to you. I have one guy that I work with in person for like an hour and a half a week. So that's it. But outside of prep, I'll maybe have like three or four like sessions a week, but it's just, it's so time consuming and it's so energy consuming that it, it doesn't happen a ton. But whenever I do it, Oh my God, it's 150%, you know what I'm saying? So if you've ever worked with me one-on-one, you just know you're special. (laughs) Oh my God, that's amazing. What is one of the biggest lessons you've learned from your journey as a powerlifter and bodybuilder? One of the biggest lessons I've learned, let's see. 
you can control you and that's all you can do you can control you you can control how you show up and i think that's one of the most important things that carries over to not just you know sports related but into life into anything like you can control your response you can't control anything else like a lot of powerlifters will complain about oh the meat was run poorly oh they misloaded this or oh that bodybuilding they'll be like oh the judging sucked oh this 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 well you don't understand i had so many hardships Everybody has hardships. Everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. Everybody has stress. But the only thing that you can control is you. You can control how you respond. You can control your attitude. And those are the things that are going to, you know, yield the biggest difference and have the most, you know, just like weight that actually matters. So all you got to do is just worry about bringing your best every single day, controlling the factors that you can control. And that's really ultimately all that you can do. And so anything other than that, it's just a distraction. It's just noise. Just take care of you, control what you can, and then just move right along. On that beautiful note. Drop Smite. <laughs> exactly. On that beautiful note, Beba, thank you so much for joining me. How can the people who want to work with you online or in person or go to your, the school you work with, how can they contact you? Well, I'm at Bama Burr on Instagram. You can visit my training company page, uh, BamaBrickSquad.com, and you can apply, join the team if you would like to work with one-on-one -on -one coaching. I would love to have any of you guys that are willing to work. And then uh -huh. for McKendry Powerlifting, if you're of college age and you're interested in going to school, just visit McKendry University and fill out an application and then just reach out to me or the head coach, Brad Betchel, and you can get started up. And that is the name of the game. And if you need a good podcast to listen to outside of Solana's just check out mine it's the champion mindset on iTunes Google and everything everything else so that is the name of the game I love it wait when are you gonna go back to the podcast I've been listening to the last couple and I was like I don't see any for the past few months now you've been busy I know you've been busy but when are you gonna go back in there I've been prepping for these shows and in case you <laughs> didn't notice in case you didn't notice the last podcast I dropped was about the importance of being a beginner so it was like a precursor to I'm about to be a beginner at something. I'm about to have to learn a lot. I'm about to have to do a lot so y'all can hold off for a little bit. And also, <laughs> and also, if anyone would like to contribute to the production of the Champion Mindset podcast, join my Patreon account because there we go. the podcast does require time. It requires energy and it requires effort. And so if there is no monetary value coming from that, holding out a little bit on you guys because I'm putting mm. my energy into something else. Y'all want to see that podcast come back? Show me. Show me the money, baby. You heard her, <laughs> y'all. Patreon, right? But, my, oh my, but my, pl my plan is, my plan is, my plan was before I went plan on doing nationals was to go ahead and pick back up after we got done with the shows. But you have to wait probably two more weeks and then I'm going to have some good stuff to talk about. Because, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes with the, with the podcast, especially with my podcast, I speak from experience, right? I take my experiences. I take everything I talk about is just things that I struggle with personally. And like people don't really realize that. They're like, oh, Stacey, you have so much knowledge. Where's it come from? And I'm like, my own experiences. So the things that I'm experiencing throughout this prep, throughout, you know, like these are the things I'm going to take. I have a whole list of different, I, I call them my sermons, right? I have a whole list of different sermons and just topics that I want to talk about that I have struggled with throughout this prep. So whenever we do get done and hopefully come back with a pro card, we're going to have a bunch of different topics to talk about and just let it go from there. So you guys will have something good to listen to. I promise you once we come back with a pro card. 
Oh, I love it. All right, y'all. You heard it here. Bama, thank you so much again for joining. And y'all, catch you next time on the Power and Lifting Podcast. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I hope you loved that episode. Again, don't forget, leave that five-star rating. Leave a review. You heard Stacey. Go support her podcast. Support her Patreon. Support my podcast. Scroll down to the bottom. Links. You can support it on the Power and Lifting Podcast. <laughs>